0: Hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe any and every area of your life has a little more potential that you can tap into to change the course and trajectory of your outcomes. My name is Clarissa Parody, and I am your host and I have worked and trained in the world of business strategy, leadership, and performance and I am the person who believes in and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. And if that sounds like something that's in your world, your reality and something you want more of. Welcome to the show. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Be Better Podcast. Today I have Kristen Edmiston. Ed, did I say that me? right? I want to call you Edmonton. We here here it's where we live, and apparently I would like to rename you. Kristen is has a book, and it's becoming a bigger and bigger deal. And I found out about her, and I found out about this book, and I can't believe we haven't met. I don't know how, uh, but it's amazing. But I'm so glad you're here today. And welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. And finally, we meet, right? It's all divine. It's all working out as it should. Timing is perfect. And uh, I just I can't wait to dive in and chat with you today and get to know you a little bit more, too.
0: Oh, honestly, I was, when I was reading your uh, profile in your bio, I was like, we should be friends. <laughs> how to have, this is amazing. So you have gone in and you've started one career, you switched gears into another, and now you have a company and a book. And so obviously it takes a few steps to get there. Mm-hmm. And let's start at the beginning. Like who is Kristen and what makes Kristen, Kristen, and how does she get here oh, gosh. today?
1: Well, forewarning, it's a convoluted journey, but like we all have those, right? So I'm going oh, to yeah. just normalize that right now. Uh, and I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't have done it any other way, but it is kind of all over the place. And so um, I kind of lived all over Alberta. So as a kid growing up, I've seen a lot of small towns, ended up in Edmonton to go to school. And so my first degree was in nursing. And so my background is I was a former registered nurse and um, my specialty was pediatric intensive care. So, you know, I think when I say that a lot of people do this and, you know, I have to say it was truly the best job and the worst job imaginable. And it shaped me in so many ways. And I'm so grateful for the experience. I'm still a nurse at heart. Um, I still think about, you know, some of the patients that left their little tiny footprints on my heart and their families. And I think, you know, where we come to today, when we talk about the book, you're going to see some, oh, nursing. Yes connection, overwhelm. Yes. Okay. This makes sense. So, um, that was kind of like the first little puzzle piece, I think in my career that brought me to where I am today, but I was also the misfit. I was the nerd who was like, well, why do we do it that way? And research says that this would be better. And I'd be walking in with the journal article and, you know, going to the nurse practitioner and like, well, we should do this. Don't you think I've got more evidence if you need it. And sometimes people don't like change. It can feel threatening, it can feel uncomfortable, it can shake the status quo, and that's where we're comfortable. Um, So, you know, I quickly gained this reputation of a bit of a can shaker and I love change. And I think that's when I started learning a little bit more about myself in that way. Um, But it it sort of also put me out there as a leader without me trying to go down that path, right? Because, you know, my definition of leadership, it's multifaceted, but one of the angles is, well, you go first. (laughs) <laughs> right, you go first. Make Stick it. your neck
0: a little, right? Like, how yeah. can you? How can you not, as a leader, be willing to go first, or or empower others to? Like, you shouldn't. As a leader, for me, I'm like, I won't do anything I wouldn't ask my team to do.
1: Exactly. Oh, absolutely, right. Um, but sometimes you've got to go out there and test to see how deep the waters are before you ask the team to come along, right? And um, you know, so I think that was just the natural pull onto the leadership side of things and I ended up getting groomed for management and um, went down that path very quickly in my career. Realized I'm not a lover of management. I much prefer leadership and there's a there's a big difference and um, I also realized I was somewhat obsessed with excellence and improvement and quality improvement and in the pediatric world with nursing and with healthcare, uh, there's a concept called family-centered care. And it's, you know, it's looking at the whole family unit and caring for the whole unit. And that's so, so important. You know, even if you're an adult, you're treating an adult, you need to look at the whole family unit. That's where the patient goes after they've been in hospital. They all have needs. They all depend upon each other. Um, and so, you know, that that whole philosophy around family-centered care, it just, it carried through all of my career when it was quality improvement, process improvement, building on patient experience, um, and I ended up rolling into different, uh, different roles, different titles outside of the bedside. I ended up going into more of the administrative side of things, project management, change management, policy, ethics, um, and it just felt right. Like, it always just felt like the natural evolution of my career. I never looked back and said, hey, but I was supposed to be a peds nurse. It right. Right. You know, it was iterative and I just trusted it. Um, And I was very fortunate to have some incredible mentors, women mentors in my life, who saw something in me and they took me under their wing and they gave me the chances and they nudged me when I needed to be nudged. Mm. They picked me up when I fell and dusted me off and they believed in me. And I think that made all the difference too. So, I don't know if I really believe in luck, right? You have to be doing the hard work to put yourself in the place where luck can find you. But like I was very fortunate to be able to be in these roles at such a young age.
0: Well, and what I heard there's a couple of things I just want to uh, circle back to. Yeah. We, to go in at to as a as a relatively young person, right. I, or junior in your position, whether you're slightly green, right. You're not like, you're not a tenured nurse. You're not going to your nurse practitioner being like, we have equal experience mm-hmm. and you're bringing in new literature, new research. And as you're talking, I'm like, we are the same person. <laughs> Cause it, for me, I'm like, okay, well, if we're constantly, I always got frustrated with, research. Cause it felt like there was a ceiling, like they would, we have all this government funding to conduct this extraordinary research. And then it would stop at the level of academia. And I graduated university and wanted to get a university. I wanted access to the university library. I was like, I'll pay for it. Yeah. And like, Absolutely not. They won't let you. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like there's quality research that we could be bringing and applying in day-to-day life and it's government funded, which means it's taxpayer dollars and mm. somehow it's not getting out there crazy to me, but when you're willing to bring that kind of new information and look for it and there's a hunger and a thirst for can it be better? Mm-hmm. can it be can it be easier? can it be more effective mm-hmm. that that's those are the kind of people that are the visionaries that forge the path that you know there's that there's an image of like when wolves run through snow, the strongest usually go at the front so they carve the path for the others behind them yeah. and they don't let the eldest wolf be at the back of the pack. So that they don't get taken out, and I'm like, wow, what what a way to care for people, and and your focus on family centered care. Let me tell you, there is something to be said about that because no matter whether you're occupying change in a health profession or in the workplace, if you don't think what's going on at home mm-hmm. or those in, those dynamics are not in interplay, it's completely false. I've had I don't know five near death experiences, and some of them I was a child. I was in the Stollery Hospital, I'm five years old. My mom had like uh, well three kids with a fourth on the way. Well, wow. those dynamics are huge at play. And because yes. of the type of care that we received, there was an incubator that I was at least safe. If, if my mom needed to, yeah. and, and felt loved, even if my mom needed to attend to my obviously younger sisters at the time, like they, they can't be without a mom too. Uh, and it just, it takes someone who's willing to see things differently to hold space for possibility. And when you're talking about you know, those mentors before you or who held space for you, who saw something in you, I think that is one thing le- great leaders can do. Yeah. It's like, okay, fail fast, fail forward, fail yeah. again, go, yeah. go, go. Yeah, and, and, and you can't let the people who are trying new things stop trying new things because it didn't go well once. So, congratulations to you. That takes endurance. It doesn't, there's a lot of people. How many people do I know that have found one position, one career, and they just said, This feels good? This is, I'm okay here and mm-hmm. don't do anything else. So, and that's great if they're satisfied and if that's the way they want their life to go. But there also needs to be people who are hungry and thirsty for more, for change, for better, so that everyone else gets lifted. Totally. So, good for you.
1: Well, good for you. <laughs> thanks you know there was no like big picture plan here I have to totally say that with all of this right right sometimes we forget that when we hear other people's stories it's like wow what a beautiful fairy tale or success story oh no oh no like there was there's so much wrapped into whatever that time frame was and there was no um, self-efficacy in the sense of I know exactly what I'm doing and where this is taking me nope No, but I learned to lean into those people around me who knew more, had been doing it longer and trusting their leadership and Mm. their vision, right? And surrendering to that a little bit because I knew that they had my best interests at heart and to be mentored, you need to be a willing mentee, Mm. right? So Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about that in mentorship as well. And that's humility. And that is um, just being okay with the failure, all of that it was, it was huge. I was very lucky though. I mean, these were pretty incredible human beings and I feel a great responsibility to pay that forward. Very, very much. So that's a big part of who I am now.
0: Oh, that is so fun. I think it's really important, especially when you're, you kind of grew up in the Mm -hmm. world of being mentored and in the willingness to be mentored, it means you have to go left when you want to go right. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes trusting that process is so powerful so when you're mentoring someone else giving that like creating that that I'll call it an incubator a petri dish of possibility giving yeah. them space to say I'll go left I don't know I left is unfamiliar I don't feel great about it yeah. but I'm willing to trust you mm-hmm. to give that a go so that's sure. incredible good for you
1: yeah it was to be kind of at that stage of learning and growth when there was that external impact as well. Like talk about learning fast and on your feet really, really quickly. It was just trial by fire. I was forced into it and it was just paddle, like, you know, like the busy little duck feet under the water, just go, 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 go. Um, and it worked. It worked. It worked out well.
0: It's, it, it's interesting when you say that, because when we look at studies of what makes for highly effective problem solving,
1: mm. it's
0: usually in the fire. Of course. Uh, culture code, Oh my gosh. What's his last name? Coyle. I think is his last name. Doyle. Maybe I'll, I'll confirm check the show notes culture code in that book. They talk about how, you know, there was the same problem given to Harvard business grads, a group of Harvard business grads and a group of kindergartners, Mm five-year-olds and who solved the problem faster and better. Mm -hmm. Well, the Harvard business grads did what they are taught to do, which is, you know, think about it, strategize, whereas kids went in to test retest really fast that's and right. they had very short communication bursts of communication and what I found fascinating about that is how many like there, there's that thing it's like who said it uh, if there's a problem you should spend 90% of your problem and 10% of your time on the solution I was like is that true mm-hmm. I think it's Einstein who said that I'm like but if we look at the data sometimes that's not true yeah. and so that trial by fire can actually have you discover things that you maybe wouldn't have tested otherwise that you wouldn't have gone through otherwise to create discoveries. That wouldn't have been possible if we sat around a, a table and just strategized our whole way through it, yeah, because how many times have you made a plan, and God laughs? <laughs>
1: like, like, oh, no. no, it's true, right? and i and I talk about this um in the book and and just generally with my clients now, is mm. you know, you know we we don't always have to have the answers, but you need to figure out your trajectory. That's not even the destination. that's just trajectory, and you need to figure out how to build momentum. And with those two things you can go, you can proceed. And you don't have to have it all figured out. And I, these are just things that I have inherently picked up along the way through my own experiences, and knowing that it just worked out. And, you know, it was uh, this really unexpected bit of adversity came at me right at this time. So I had all these things going for me, opportunity, mentors, uh, learning, growth, all of it. Um, but I realized very quickly that when I went, it went into these leadership meetings, I was the youngest one in the room, like by 10, maybe 15 years. And, um, you know, I tell this story where I was in um, in, a, in a very senior level meeting on behalf of my boss. I was filling in for her. And someone asked me if I was there to bring the water. Like, where's the water? Where's the coffee? And it was just this moment of self-awareness all of a sudden of like, oh, that's how I'm perceived. And, oh, this isn't okay on so many levels. And it was this, okay, I need to do something about this. I can't age myself overnight. Um, You know, I, I have to gain the experience to get that credibility. I need to, you know, prove and demonstrate that I'm capable of holding this seat. So as soon as I have the chance to open my mouth, okay, I've got you. But... What about getting in the room? And I think a lot of women, in particular, struggle with this barrier, right? If it's a man and a woman walking into the room with the equal amount of, you know, they're same age, same credentials at the same time, who's trusted more first? And often it can be the man. And that was that was the first sign for me to say, no, you need to correct this, whatever is within your control. And so I decided to go back to school and get my MBA. I'm like, you know what, you can't argue with the credentials. I can go back to school, build my, build my, um, the depth of my knowledge, the breadth of my knowledge. So it was a bit of a, like, well, screw you. I'm just going to go do this. And I did. Kristen,
0: It's just like, I'm interviewing me. It's just (laughs) the strangest thing. Cause I, my experience was like, it's still the same. I mean, I don't, what I didn't, uh, I was, I was actually having a conversation about this, like the whole man versus woman in a boardroom. I think I was just blind to whether or not I was female or not. Mm. And I was like, no, (laughs) you will trust me. (laughs) And maybe they didn't, but I told, I I, I gave myself that illusion. The comment I would get, and I still get to this day, and don't be fooled, I'm basically middle-aged, that I I look very young Mm. comparatively. And I'm like, whoa, what am I going to do? And so I was like, well, I might be young, but I can be the smartest. I can be the most informed. And the other thing I took away. So I use my backgrounds in theater growing up. I was in the arts. I I really felt life was, I was like, Broadway calls incorrect. (laughs) I don't think I would have been satisfied on Broadway, going to Broadway, different story being in Broadway. Probably I don't do late nights. It's not my jam. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I was like, okay, well, there's a reason you have wardrobe and costumes in films. That's and good. in musical theater. And so we I would love to pretend that what I wear doesn't matter. But when I throw on a blazer mm-hmm. <laughs> and a uh, pair of slacks, I'm mm-hmm. like it, it, whatever, it's a costume. And so I I don't I didn't make anything mean about it. I didn't get upset that people might judge the fact that I or be upset that I should have to wear this. I was like, "No. Mm-hmm. I if I am an actor and the whole world is a stage, Mm-hmm. why not put on why not put on what, what, what you want people to believe that you are we do it for Halloween we're not like oh you're dressed like an oompa loompa you must be a vampire mm-hmm. we don't do that so I'm like well why not play the game The like play the game the psychology of humans is that when we look at something we make a value assessment not necessarily good bad or like better than or less than we're like oh that is a vampire we assess what it is mm-hmm. uh, or that is hot that is cold and then go with it but i i also got my masters i was like you can't, i i will wear a blazer and Ooh. then i will have another degree and then then i'll show you who's boss and <laughs> turns out um i maybe didn't need to do that but it's it's what i did so what was your experience like with your masters do you think did, did it flip a switch for you did it make you like what what was the impact of taking that schooling on for you in 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 your personal experience as well as your career
1: um, oh, that's, that's a lot to unpack, but I mean, um, I realized I'm pretty, I'm pretty tough, mm. I'm pretty tough, you know, because the demand of the job was such that it was about 50 hours a week in my right. role. So and I was an executive director at this point, so I had advanced very quickly. So, you know, it's roughly 50 hours a week. The 10 are kind of behind the scenes, of course. Um, I was a mom right? So I had a little guy who had soccer three nights a week and was very much attached to his mama. And so just working through the guilt of, you know, what does that look like? And how do I show up? Um, I had recently remarried. So starting a whole new life with this person and trying to build that foundation. Um, Like all of it, it was so much of just life all at once. And, And I talk a lot about the whole human right? Mm. So it's not just career. It's never just career. It's never just professional. Your personal life will always creep in your, your professional life will always creep into your personal life. We are whole human beings. There's no division.
0: No. And that's right. why I work. I, that's me. I said this on my other podcast I was like work-life balance is a yes. lie because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't cut myself off. And this part of Clarissa stays at home. And this part of mm-hmm. Clarissa goes to talk to people and does her job. I'm like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Even if my time is split evenly, That doesn't, doesn't mean balance.
1: Not at all. Not at all. I feel really strongly about this one and it does tie back to the book in that I don't believe in balance. I would love to substitute in the word harmony, Mm, meaning that it could be a, it could be a 90, 10 split, but you could still be in harmony. You could still be at peace with it. Right. Because as soon, I mean, balance is a farce. As soon as you get to that point of equal equilibrium, a nanosecond later, something's moved over to the left or the right, you know? So you, if you're chasing balance, stop, because you'll never feel like you get there. You'll never feel like you get there anywhere. If you're chasing, balance,
0: Oh my gosh. If you're chasing balance, the one thing you're chasing is just like dissatisfaction yes. in my opinion. And yes. I like, I, I understand it's like, okay, fine. Maybe you don't want hustle culture, mm-hmm. but I'm a big, you say joy I, or you say harmony. I say joy. I'm like, give me joy. Cause yeah. if here's the life is full of seasons, Mm -hmm. And there are seasons like this summer is a prime example of where I've worked more than I've ever worked in my life at this on this couple projects I I don't I slept the least I've ever slept and also felt so alive. Yeah. Not because I'm running on adrenaline. Cause I don't know. I don't think I have adrenals left anymore from <laughs> all that stress about doing my schooling and being accepted by society, you know, normal things. Mm-hmm. But now I was like, Oh my gosh, my cup is so full. Oh my gosh, we got to make an impact. Oh my gosh. I got to grow and enroll my team. Oh yeah. my gosh, look what happened. And so that fulfillment didn't come from balance. That fulfillment came from an alignment with what I value and executing on it and li- living purposefully and meaningfully. Yeah. And that creates both harmony and joy. That's like, I think like, mm. that is enjoy. I feel like it, so many people can't relate to that word and what a tragedy. It will, what it a tragedy.
1: Yep. We're, we're too busy sacrificing. You know, mm. I, I talk a lot about, you know, sacrificing our most valuable resources. So this is a key concept of the book. Our most valuable resources are our time, our money, and our energy. And people get time and money, right? Yeah, It's pretty easy to understand, but your energy, that's your joy. That's your motivation. That's your resiliency. That's your inspiration, right? And so rule of life, and this is the advice I now give to my 19-year-old son. How is right? that possible?
0: That How is that possible?
1: <laughs> it happened you, like that. You look like fantastic. That's yeah, literally ma- a
0: mathematical marvel. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. You have escaped the aging paradigm. Congratulations.
1: It depends on the day. Let me tell you, it depends on the day and the lighting. Always let me tell you,
0: hydration will always make you look younger. True. That's what I have learned.
1: So true. <laughs> Um, but you know, simple for him, simple advice for someone who's 19 or 90, follow your joy, follow your joy and the rest will sort itself out
0: and inject it. Like if you're sometimes there's going to be, okay. So my least favorite thing in the world to do is Excel spreadsheets. And sometimes I have to do them, but I'm like, okay, if I'm going to have, um, things that make me want to grind my teeth, then where am I inserting joy? cuz yeah. sometimes you're going to ha- sometimes you're going to do stuff that you don't love and the thing is a little bit of joy goes a really long way yeah goes a really long way. Find what works for you. For me, like trees. Oh my gosh. My family would tell you all I talk about is trees. I'm like, have you read oh. the book, The Secret Life of Trees? Have you hugged a tree? Do you know that trees make music? Like all of these things. And I get so excited by it that I feel full. And what was three hours of sleep feels like eight. And oh, wow. all of those things. In it, and the rule of energy in general is a lie. Like, where do you get energy from? Mm-hmm. Food. Are you sure? How do you feel mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving dinner? Where do you get it from? <laughs> sleep. Is that true? Because I've had eight hours of sleep and woke up from like trash and I've had a quality amount of sleep and felt way better. Yeah. So we we've linked these things as if they're direct lines when really they're dotted. Agreed. Agreed. And, and we we forget to do the things that make us human mm-hmm. that create connection and that fill our spirits. Yes. And we should be best friends
1: <laughs> oh I think this is the beginning of something really great just I was like, I'm like I'm like I'm,
0: I'm feeling really warm like I'm really excited my house is cold
1: but I'm like my body feels warm it's very but that's nice. good but so I mean but case in point this is why we need to connect with others this is why we need to initiate conversations and put ourselves out there because we're missing out on great stuff if we don't right this is why, this is why you have to muster up that activation energy to do the hard things because it could result in connection. And that is just so many ripples from there. So,
0: so many ripples. There was one thing I was listening, I think it's Alex hermosi was saying it. He was talking about how, you know, so we look at a, a local goal versus like what he calls a global goal. So something bigger. Mm-hmm. So for one of the things that one of my pillars of life that just makes me feel so good is when I feel full of vitality. And mm-hmm. I know that what gives that to me is, like being active and using my body and end and of range strength. I never want to look at a trampoline and be like, ooh, ooh, I should not go on that. I don't want to do that. I I have young people in my life. I'm like, I want to play with them. I want to go, my phrase of this year is be bold, be brave, all in, all out. And so now I'm like, okay, well, I better deliver. <laughs> so <laughs> we've been doing all of these things to keep you vital, but that means my local goal, my local thing, which is like a instant gratification. Yeah, What makes me happy right now? That, you know, chocolate croissant. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, so good. But does that really support my overall goal? Right. When I know that I feel like trash after I eat it, I need a nap because yeah. I have a blood sugar situation that I don't even have diabetes, but maybe, maybe yeah. I could, if I keep doing that. But my global goal is if I, if I tap into that, the hard stuff, which is getting up every morning mm-hmm. and moving my body, because you know how nice my bed is at five 30, four 30 in the morning. is really nice. Yes. I really, it's such a, it's warm. It's mm-hmm. I'm in the right spot. I've got an animal snuggling. I don't want to leave, but my global goal is so much more powerful than that local, yes, thing. If I can remember and tap into it, that is going to keep you doing the hard things, yes, or what feels like hard because this. Do I ever finish a workout and be like, damn it, I wish I didn't do that. What a terrible decision.
1: Never, never. And you know what? This makes me think about is this concept of, and I hear this a lot in the in the fitness community, and the fitness, you know, social media. It's about discipline. It's about discipline. It's not about discipline. Discipline gets us gets you through the very finite short term, but it's not sustainable. It's the hard. adrenals run out, right? There, but the that. motivation, <laughs> the motivation that's that's what you need to look for. And so, if it's that global goal that is your motivator, tap into it, right? Yeah. But and I it's, think it's this 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 myth around oh, it's be disciplined, be disciplined. No. That's not going to last very long. You're going to be burnt out, tired, demotivated, deflated, and feel like you aren't capable. No, no,
0: it's so tough. And like, for me, I mean, I don't know if what I would call a discipline, but I had to practice it. Yes. I, I I was like, okay, this is a, this is a practice. This is not a perfect because discipline can sound very like, I like, like, I like when people call me disciplined because I'm like, have I fooled you? <laughs> <laughs> but it, what it really is, is, is it's a, it's something I know what my long-term vision is i know what i want to feel like at the end of the day i want to know that i can contribute throughout my day and then do my fun stuff after or do my fun stuff first and still have energy for all the other commitments i've made for my professional life and i but it's it was a practice it was a, it was a practice it was not a perfect and more than that it's that i chose what i wanted before i did it right and that desire and that choosing can keep me going even when I don't because discipline takes energy as much as anything else and motivation can be fleeting but my my rule is like the 15 minute rule yes so you I personally hate folding socks mm. like I just it's the least it's my I will it I would is. rather yes. throw them in a bin mm. unconnected and then punish myself on a Friday night <laughs> by by, by uh, putting them together so now I'm like okay rather than a punishment what if I make it a fun
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: my 15 minute rule kicks in. I'm like, okay, well, all I have to do is do it for 15 minutes. And All of a sudden I'm motivated. All mm-hmm. of a sudden you give, you have to get, if you don't give yourself space to be motivated to experience that like internal firelighting, it's not a rush of adrenaline at that moment. It's inspiration. Inspiration yeah. is to have life breathed into you. And by giving yourself space to be breathed into the person who's inhaling is
1: you. So give yourself space to get there. Yes. And, and so often we don't. So often we don't. And you know what? I call it, we're going to get to this, but I call it the power of one. So simplify it, right? Create something that is manageable and doable that you can get excited about. You're making it easy instead of overwhelming because the power of one is the antidote to the overwhelm. Oh my God. And suddenly doing the socks isn't that overwhelming, right? No. It's not so scary.
0: No, it's really not. I really want to dive in. I we keep touching it. We've this is great because we kind of like added all your book all the way around. And I'm like, haha, cool. this is fantastic. I love it. And you know what? One thing that I have as I've gotten older, I'm unavailable for drama and I'm unavailable for overwhelm. I'm like, I don't, I ain't got time for that. You know, you know, the recovery time for drama and overwhelm is real long. It's like a man cold. And I am not interested.
1: <laughs> I love that. But it's dangerous, right? The overwhelm, when you think about it, here's the pain point. This is why it's a problem. And it's why I wrote the book to create a solution to it. It slows us. It stalls us. It stunts us. And worst case scenario, it stops us
0: sucks the life right out of you it does
1: and the overwhelm is it's a universal culprit if you're human you're susceptible to the overwhelm so this applies to everyone really every age every Mm. circumstance every profession wherever you live it crosses all boundaries that we know this as a universal experience the overwhelm but the damaging effects how do you get to your excellence potential because that's my goal is trying to help people get to their excellence potential How do you get there when you're stalled, stopped, stunted by overwhelm? What if we could remove that?
0: Wow. What happens when you're in overwhelm? You're on repeat. Oh, same thoughts, the same patterns. What do you say to yourself when you're in overwhelm? What Mm. do you say to yourself? The same things you always say to yourself in overwhelm. Oh my God, this again, this is so hard. Like you, you start hearing the, also the lies you feed to yourself. Really. Like when I'm an overwhelm, I'm like, oh my God, I'll never get this done. I'll never get this done. That's what I say to myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I've never done? I've never not gotten it done. That's like, right. so I realized in that moment what the overwhelm was a lie the overwhelm lies to you and okay. when you can separate yourself from the overwhelm you can be like oh shoot <laughs> i see you, <laughs> you so stay you're over there you're a dirty liar <laughs> that's right and uh you can you can complain but you don't actually get to tell me what to do yeah get i'm so sorry no this your is mba <laughs> and then you Still. wrote a book let's fill in those gaps and let's there's talk few, about what you wrote
1: there's a few things there's yeah a few sure things in there. <laughs> so i got the mba and fun fact, I actually did it with my brother. So my brother is six years older than I am. And he went into pharmacy and I went into nursing. And our career paths were kind of like this. And I kind of dragged him along to the orientation session. I'm like, you should do your MBA with me. And he did. I love so- that. What a gift we got to graduate together. It was super special.
0: Why do I, I'm moved by that. That's so oh,
1: sweet. It was, it was incredible. It was, it was a very, very special highlight in my life for sure. Oh, no kidding. Um, but you know, it wasn't long after that point when there was, a. you know how there's like little markers in your life. You remember those moments you're like, Oh yeah, that's when the domino fell. Mm-hmm. I had one of those. Oh. And um, it was at the retirement party for my boss. And she was a very senior executive in the, in the organization. And she was retiring after 30 years, illustrious career, huge mentor to me, worship the ground. She walked on, like she was just everything. And they were celebrating her and all her accomplishments in her 30 years. But I was struck like a bolt of lightning, like 30 years doing the same thing. Uh, uh, No, like, where's the exit? And, and I, and that was this epiphany for me that, even though I had invested education, time, energy, blood, sweat, tears, all of it into this career path that I thought I wanted, that I was being groomed to climb this corporate ladder that really wasn't truly aligned with who I was on the inside and figuring that out, that it was a trap. This was a trap to lock you in for 30 years. <laughs> Golden handcuffs. That's right. And I decided to bolt. And so I quit after some soul searching. And the tricky thing is if you're a nurse with an MBA and you don't work in the healthcare system, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Well, you go and become a consultant.
0: <laughs> Amen, <laughs> sister.
1: Nondescript title ever. Um, but yeah, I just, I decided to reinvent redefine who I was reconnect with who I was. And uh, this was January of 2013 that I quit. And I had started up um, my business consulting firms, K. Edmiston and Associates, KIA Consulting. And it was, there was no intention to consult back to healthcare. It was going to be government agencies, larger corporate teams, small businesses, that kind of thing. Right. Um, But I felt like I had enough experience, knowledge, life skills, education to be able to do that in that kind of a role. Um, But uh, so I started that and Started the business with all the hiccups and all the, the growing pains that you get with starting a business. Fell into some contracts and things just started to snowball and got the referrals. It was really quite smooth. Um, but five four months after I quit, we got news that my dad was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. Oh, and um, context: my mom had passed away several years before, so she had died quite young. She was only fifty nine. Wow. Um and we were very close and then my dad and I were incredibly close and the rug was ripped from beneath me and I had to reevaluate everything and um of course being the nurse like are you the nurse are you the daughter yeah you're both you and you can you can't separate the whole you can't separate the whole and so he um he, was, he lived out of town. We went through all the, the motions of getting him here to Edmonton so me and my siblings could take care of him. And they gave him a year with treatment. And this is where I tapped in back to my nursing days and everything that I had learned through the really tough stuff in PICU around death, dying, trauma, all of it, family-centered care. And I just said, you know what? We're going to do everything we can to help my dad have a beautiful death. And I know that sounds weird in some ways to some people when you've seen death over and over and you've seen good death, you've seen hard death for my dad, the best gift I could give him was a beautiful death. Right. And so, um, my sister and I were, you know, predominantly his primary caregivers and we supported him throughout the journey and treatments. And, um, we just decided to look for the joy and the laughter and, and he was the same way. And, it was such an incredible journey. I'm so grateful that I quit my corporate job that was 50 hours a week. 4 months later had all the flexibility in my schedule that I could ever want. Right. To be with him, care for him and have him have a beautiful death. Like you want to talk about divine divine timing. Divine I was just timing. thinking I was like every like if you just let things work out they will. They will.
0: And and in it, I mean some people I, I had a conversation with one of my other guests that like I've heard it must be nice. And I'm like, Yeah, but I was willing to take the risk, which mm-hmm. wasn't so nice. Yeah, and uh, it's tough. And it, it what and that level of I mean, there's one of one of the mentors I have talks about six human needs, certainty. Mm-hmm. uncertainty we love things that when they're safe and they feel familiar we also love variety which is why a lot of us will watch the the same will binge watch the same tv shows yeah. we we know we like it but we can't fully remember everything the characters mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. and significance like does it make a difference is it do i do i feel important or valued and then yes. there's uh growth and love and connection and 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 all those wonderful things and i'm like well if you're not if you don't have certainty if you're willing to let go of that a little bit you have space for that whether it's divine intervention or luck or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it for yeah. me it's definitely divine intervention Yes. but there is a I have held my breath while leaping before mm-hmm. being like oh one eye open I really mm-hmm. hope I land on something soft yep. but it, it it takes something so it's I mean amazing that you were willing to bet on yourself and take that risk and how it all worked out is just grace and space, a grace, grace and space,
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, I mean, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about resiliency mm. through my dad. I've done uh, motivational talks on resiliency through the story of my dad who had terminal cancer, right? Mm. Like it seems like a juxtaposition, but wow, it was literally the recipe for resiliency, watching him through his journey and being a part of it with him. And something that spun out of that journey, that is a huge part of who I am today, which resulted in also the book is, um, I skipped the part where before I left my corporate career, I also opened up a jewelry design business. So that's my creative outlet. I'm a jewelry designer on the side and I just love well, now I Chinese. must see it,
0: <laughs> I mean, not in this moment, but like no, after but...
1: this conversation, we should, we should yes. talk. <laughs> um and I mean there's a story how that all started because of my mom and her creative outlet but anyway I won't go there you just need to know that I um was a jewelry designer at this very same time and so of course I had a studio filled with supplies Mm. and um dad he was uh we moved him into hospice about three months before he passed and it was about November ish yeah and um he was really starting to lose, lose his like mobility and his his ability to write. And those things that we take for granted that are really, really important. Um, but he was cognitively 100% alert and with us. Right. But that's hard too, because he's seeing himself deteriorate also. Like it was just so heartbreaking in so many ways. But he said to my sister and I, you know, girls, I really want to do something special to thank all the people that have supported me on my journey. And he, had, he, had, he was originally from England. He immigrated from England when he was about 20 years old. And um, so he'd kept in touch with a lot of people back home. And after my mom had passed, he, had, he ended up meeting this group of, of women, like age 30 to 45, who were on like a message board, on the BBC message board. And it was like this little clique of women who um, they would talk about work and family and all the things. And they kind of adopted him as the surrogate dad and he was the lone male but the voice of wisdom and reason and sharp-witted humor and he is, he'd never met any of them in person but he especially wanted to do something f- special for the girls and uh, it was around Christmas time of course and he's like will you help you know Chris help me find something and I'm like oh okay so I'm at hospice 12 hours a day with you I cry myself to sleep every freaking night. I'm trying to start my own business. I have a son who's losing his grandpa, and they were very, very close too. Wow. Okay, sure, Dad. Um, so I came back yes, to the led. <laughs> yeah, came back to the studio, and um, I do believe very strongly in divine intervention. And I went to my studio, and I kind of stood in front of the cabinets, and I'm like, okay, tell me what do I do. And I swear to this day. I heard a whisper and it was angels, angels. And I'm like, okay, how do I make angels? And I'm like, okay, I think for some reason I have little silver wings. I've never used them in jewelry before, but I think I ordered some. And then I'm like, well, I just need like a little dress and there's these bracelet ends made out of Swarovski crystal that it has a cone. Like that could be a dress. And then all you need is a head and a halo. You have an angel. And it's, I was going to bring one to show you they're about this big. Oh cute. How and sweet. so I took it into dad. I took all the supplies and of course we all bawled. My sister and my dad and I. We just cried because of the symbolism of everything. And we made these angels. We made about 30 of them and he got to tell me, you know, this one's for Vanessa. This one's for Lisa. This one is for like right and he he asked us to handwrite little Christmas cards and send them over to England, which we did. And the thing is though in a hospice You're making angels people pay attention so the nursing staff and the doctors and patients families they're like what's this could I get an angel these are beautiful and dad's like well we should give angels to my friends where I used to live and to our relatives and to the doctors and the nurses so now it's like okay we need more angels and um, my dad was quite tech savvy for for his age and the way he communicated with a lot of his friends was on Facebook And um, he was even losing the ability to type. So we would often go in and type for him. He would tell us what to say. And we would type to his friends, these women over in the UK. And we got to know them too. And they were truly like angels that surrounded us. And as these angels started to land, these little tiny charms, unbeknownst to us, they had created a plan where they were going to take a picture of their angel and make it their profile picture. So when dad opened up Facebook, that's what he saw.
0: that is so sweet.
1: And it was like this circle of angels that just surrounded him on his final days. And um, wild, but everybody that was friends with these people in the UK were like, what's this angel? What's this profile picture? And the next thing you know, we're getting messages, prayers, letters, well wishes from complete strangers around the world for dad because of these angels that we didn't think was a big deal. But so... um, Long story short, but I connected with um, two people that used to work with CTV News who are incredibly close friends of mine now, and they ended up telling our story on the news. And that took off even more, and we were even more inundated. And it was like this just, I don't know, huge rush of love and energy that came to dad when he needed it the most and when we needed it the most. And dad said, if it helps one person, you have to keep it going after I'm gone. Promise me. And so my sister and I did. And um he passed away in January. And then March first, we started a Facebook page. It was called A Circle of Angels to honor the women that had surrounded dad in his final days. And the idea was we were gonna make and sell these small little charms, donate the proceeds to different charities, do random acts of kindness in the community and help people feel like they aren't alone. Mm. Right. And so, you know, I bought a bag of, of angel wings. There was a thousand angel wings in this bag, and I thought, no like never in a million years, am I going to make a thousand angels? Like these are going to go in the garbage, right? Well, that was seven years ago and we have now made and sold or given away over 40,000 angels. And we've donated well over $15,000 to different charities from these little tiny charms. Who are you? (laughs) Oh no, it's not me. It's not me because the people that this has attracted, let me tell you the people that come and make the angels with us, the people that have rallied in these community projects that we've done, you know, we did 2000 angels in one night for um, the EPS when Constable Woodall was shot and killed in one night because of 50 volunteers, right? Wow. I mean, and we have story after story after story like that. So we just went first, but yeah. we aren't, we aren't the reason why this has worked. It's the incredible energy and people that have come around it.
0: Well, and I I think it just also goes to show what the power of an intention your intention was to create a beautiful death for your dad. Yeah. And you going in and asking for guidance and being willing to hear a whisper, willing to hear a knock. And it, the, what blows me my, away regularly is that the answer is always available. Mm-hmm. The resources are always right in front of you. You yes. just have to be willing to see them. Yes. And willing to see the situation differently. So like angel wings, you didn't even, you've never used. You've never used, and it and when you set the intention for the overall global goal of this beautiful end of life, yeah. and then you l- lead me, show me, help me see what I can't yeah. see, and you didn't think it was a big deal at the time. This goes to show how many times that we had ideas. They're that like that's not a big deal,
1: yeah. and we
0: diminish them. We think don't think it. And and over forty thousand is that what you said? Yeah. Angels are you fifteen thousand dollars? That is remarkable. Cool. That's remarkable. That's un, unexpected, unprecedented, like from a, from a what, from the end of a Swarovski bracelet yeah. thing, like it, it, and it goes to show being resourceful, being creative, being willing yeah. to see the end of something that is meant this specific part, this specific idea, this specific job title is meant to do this thing, but it could also be used for. Yes. And I, that willingness to be creative and see things differently, no matter what your circumstances are, whether it's jewelry design for your father or if it's how are you running this boardroom or what book are we going to write it it's just the resources are there be willing to see them differently
1: absolutely and you know this this ties back to the book too and this is i think where i really figured out abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset right so we were in a place where everything felt scarce let me tell you time was super scarce energy was super scarce all of it um and we felt like we were kind of at a rock bottom point. And yet, with gratitude, gratitude's so critically important, with gratitude, what we had was enough. That time that we had with dad was enough. Getting 30 angels over to the UK, that was enough. Right. And so we took this like literally the hardest time in my life for sure. And in a place where looking from the outside in, it looks like just pure scarcity. It was. So abundant, mm. right? It was, there was so much abundance. And what do you do with that abundance? You pay it forward. Absolutely. So how could this not be a pay it forward project where you do kind things for others and you express gratitude and you try to lift them when they're down? How do you not? And ever since then, I have been operating in this place, 99% of the time of an abundance mindset and it changed everything absolutely everything. And it, it's a practice,
0: right? Yes. Like in that moment, like when I, so I was exposed to death very young and too often, honestly, in my life, uh, like recently everyone just has their ends of life. And the way I was born into my family, uh, that just the way the timing is a lot of people were aging. Some people had unexpected passings and the hardest grieve, grieving processes for me were when I resisted it when I thought it was unfair, unjust, shouldn't have happened. And I'm like, one of the hardest grieving processes for me was were my grandparents, because I mean, I still, I'm blessed enough to still have my mother and father, uh, but my grandma and grandpa were the one in the same. They were yeah. just like really cool mom and dad. Yeah. And uh, resisting their deaths was the most torturous thing I could have done for myself. And it, it made me available for overwhelm. It made me available for doubt, denial, grief, lack of energy. And when I shifted, I noticed specifically with my grandpa, when I was like, I'm just going to be with him as much as possible. Yes. Because if uh, one of the paradigms I remember learning is if I'm in a three-day seminar and they ask how much of the seminar is left. And I'm like, well, two days, like no, 100% of the seminar is left. If you're looking at what is left, it's 100%. Yeah. So you, you how much time do you have left with your grandpa? 100% of your time of the time that he's available. I was like, oh my God, that's well, I have everything. And that, that it was, it was such a weird shift for me. Like I I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And then I, it clicked into place and I was like, oh my God, I have, I have all the time in the world. Yes. And, and if I choose to use it in a way that's, that's meaningful and that, that, that alignment. Yeah, absolutely committed in it, in that mindset of like, I get to spend. These last hours of all the people he'll he'll want to spend time with, it's probably his family. Like if I had to just throw wild guests out there, and it really made that process that much better. And it's still sad to see someone pass. Of course, of course. It's still sad. And I still miss him. Of course. Of course. But it's like when you don't resist what is, and you can get present to what is so, you there is peace. There is space, space and grace and peace. It's just it's a great place to be.
1: It's, I mean, I, the harmony, right? It's that, it's like, that's what I'm always looking for. That's what I'm always trying to work towards. What, and you can have harmony in your saddest moments.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: I know that sounds kind of backwards and strange, but it's like a beautiful death. I think you can have harmony and sadness too. Like you can hold, you can hold success and failure at the same time. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, we're such a black and white Um, having to know, is it this or is it that? there's a whole lot of greatness right in between. <laughs> so 100%. Yeah. We,
0: we like to we're a very reductionist society. I mean, so. We want it to be the cause of my weight gain was I ate too many Cheetos and it was like, well, actually you're super stressed, your adrenals are yes. shot. Um there's no amount of lettuce that's going to save you unless you meditate a little bit. So like yeah. f- look at the the whole system, the whole human and and st- and the harmony of the elements all elements in the system because yes. you yourself are an ecosystem you operate in mm-hmm. your a micro ecosystem and then you're part of a macro system and when mm-hmm. we can get that the harmony makes that much well of course you want to operate in harmony of course you, do. mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't You do want to cause discord or dissonance because it actually affects the whole system which is why would to go back to your earlier comment about family-centered care yeah is so critical so critical Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm so sorry. That was a really beautiful story. I got taken
1: away. Oh, no, it's good. It's oh good. But gosh. this is the thing. See what happened though. When we open up about really hard things, ah, we make it safe for other people to do the same. Absolutely. And that's why I have no trouble ever talking about grief no, or, or loss because this is how we make it make sense. This is in our hearts and in our heads. And again, it's a universal experience. Every single one of us, we're going to experience loss. Mm-hmm. We're going to experience grief. So let's talk about it instead of internalizing it and getting overwhelmed, let's get it out. Yes, Amen. Yeah, no, it's, um, it was a huge part of, of what brought me to where I am today. It still is. It's never going to end. I just have endless gratitude for the people that have brought me to where we are and continue to be a part of my life. I've met the most incredible people through this project. I just, it's incredible, but, um, we, uh, Kept going with the business after I'm trying to get back to like, how did we get to where I am now? Uh, Consultant. (laughs) Consultant title. Way
0: maker, whatever. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, and I mean, to be fair, like building the creative business, I had, it's, uh, I just celebrated my 10 year anniversary for Kemba, Kemba Designs, which is my jewelry design company in August. So 10 years. So built it from scratch, did everything the hard way from marketing to business planning to all of it. Thank goodness I had the MBA to get me some, you know, some book smarts in there. And then uh, for Kia Consulting in December, I'm celebrating my 10 year anniversary. So 10 years, that's a whole decade. I'm going to be like, okay, that's a, that's a milestone. That is a
0: milestone. For small
1: businesses, that's a milestone to still be trucking along after 10 years.
0: No Um, kidding.
1: But I think it's been because I've had to keep morphing and pivoting and changing and shifting and I did that a lot. And then the pandemic hit. And then all of that stuff that was typically government contract work and larger corporations where it was team building and bringing people together in the same room, which is what I got really good at and what I did for 90% of my work, didn't exist anymore. Right? Oh, okay. Now what? And that's when I learned to fall in love with small business consulting. Mm, Very good and I call it strategy partnership. I do not call myself a coach. There may be some coaching and what you get with me, but there's also gonna be some mothering and some nurturing and nursing, because that's just who I am. But I am not trained as a coach. I don't have a certification as a coach. I am everything that I've told you so far, a nurse with an MBA and some life experience and a jewelry designer. But I believe bringing that to the table as an equal partner for strategy, helping in small business, that's a lot. And that's, and that's what I love, love, love to do. And I got to do a lot more of it in the early days of the pandemic. And through that, I realized the overwhelm was so real and so magnified. And I had this epiphany. If we hadn't been operating in a state of overwhelm before the pandemic had hit, we wouldn't have been as knocked out at the knees when it did. That's not okay. That's not okay that we were so burnt out and exhausted and overwhelmed that we, you know, in some cases, businesses just fell apart like dust and the 10 years of, of business and hard work and passion and blood, sweat, and tears, poof, gone. And the overwhelm was often the culprit. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just decided that's not okay. This isn't okay to be talking face-to-face with a small business owner who feels overwhelmed, feels stuck, stunted, stalled or wants to completely stop when this is their dream. This is their life purpose. This isn't okay. Not okay. And that's when um, I had this, uh, again, domino moment conversation with one of my clients. And she said to me, she's like, Kristen, like, what system do you use to keep like all your stuff together? Like, how do you keep yourself so organized? And because you've got the two businesses, and then the angels, and then the family, how do you do it? And I, I just held up my little bullet journal thing that I had. I'm like, oh, I've got this. She's like, well, what is that? I said, oh, it's just a system I've kind of, you know, used over the years, and I've picked up, you know, best practices from habits stacking and time management, and you know, like just picked up all these little things along the way. And I said, I'm kind of nerdy, and I research this stuff all the time, and so I just use it. And she's like, can you show me? Can can I use your system? I'm like, well, of course. And then I went hold up. Maybe this could help more than one person. Maybe, maybe this has some merit to it. And, um, so I started kind of fleshing out the theory behind it as to why it worked. And then I went back and actually did the hard research, right. And I actually made the notes and I, I drew the diagrams and I, um, I put all the pieces together with all of the sticky notes. And I'm like, I stood back and I said, this is a philosophy. This is this is a way of being. This is how I operate my life. I just sort of put it down on paper in this book, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a theory. And um, when I went back to my client, and I was explaining it to her, and I said, well, just make sure you keep everything in one book, like you know, none of this six journals and a day timer. Got to keep it all together. That's part of the system. That's part of the theory. She's like, oh, like the one book. And I went, yep, the one book.
0: <laughs> well thank you for my title ma'am um that was great <laughs> right? no, no brainstorming session needed it was like, that. again it's always in front of you the answer is always there because it is the reasons are always there because it, they are yeah and it's just like there's so many things like how did when we ask people how did we learn to do it and it's often test retest get curious okay try, does that work? Does that make sense? Cause there are things where I'm like, that does not work for me. But when you can, when you can consolidate it and make it something that's scalable or replicable for most people, it's yeah. shocking. And you know, what? I haven't had a chance to peek through your book. I get, I think I get it this week. And uh, I, I'm like, my gosh, like I was flipping through some of the like notes about it. I was like, when you incorporate all of those elements, mm-hmm. it's the, the, as you said, the way of being the way of thinking, because yeah. one of the greatest Coaching moments I've had in my life is when one of my coaches said, How you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm. And I was like, that's a bold statement. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> I was like, that's mean and also probably accurate. <laughs> and I looked at it, I was like, is that true? I, like, is that is that true? And I I found it in so many areas of my life in that one particular way of thinking, way of being. And I was like, oh wow, that's stifling me. And so if you find a way to do something, a way of being that holds space for you to thrive, a place where you can keep everything together, imagine what is possible. Yeah. Imagine what is possible. I'm still that person who uses a paper agenda journal or I, like I, a day timer as yeah. I scratch my mic. Um, But it's I, it has to be laid out a very specific way. And I don't just write my to-dos in it. No. I write a bunch of things in it and it, and it's, and it literally becomes a part of me. So I cannot wait to sink my teeth and fingers into this book of yours. Okay. So do you want to talk more about that? I'm I'm like, I feel like that was high level, but I, I know people are going to want to know about this. And for those of you who do not know, Kristen has her book available in Indigo. Now, I don't know if you guys understand what a big deal it is to be in a bookstore that is nationwide but it is unheard of it well not unheard of obviously they sell books and people make (laughs) it's not easy No, it's It's not easy it's not easy and you'll find the same six authors right you'll always find that crime novelist you'll always find Mm -hmm. the shopaholic series you'll you'll always find jen sincero it but for a new person for their first book to penetrate a market that is now available nationwide, that tells you the power and the promise of this particular piece of work. And it's not its not literary. It's a do a thing. It's a it doing is. thing. So, okay, let's talk about the one.
1: Okay. What, yeah. Let's talk about Brilliant the one book.
0: Saying. Yeah, okay. sorry. It's called the one book. My apologies. It is.
1: Yes. This is my own personal dog-eared, scratched up one book. It's hardcover, but we have paperback too.
0: I'm already attracted to this piece of art.
1: Well... <laughs> you know what, I'm going to tell you about the artist behind this piece of art, because I did not do this alone by a long stretch. And they are an incredible part of my journey. Mm. Um, so it's a big book, right? I, this I thing it. is substantial, and it's heavy. And at first glance, some people are like, oh, I got to carry that around. And then they do it for a week. And they're like, I can't leave the house without my book. This goes with me everywhere. And that's the idea. So you're right, it's not a lot of like, sit down and read. Um, in the first, I don't know, 25 pages, there's a preamble to explain the highlights of the one theory, as I call it. Uh, and it talks about the MVR triad, our most valuable resources are time, money, and energy, and how that's fundamental to the whole theory. And I explore, um, there's lots of great theories out there around habits and which habits you can combine for high performance or whatever that may be. And I totally buy into that. I think habits are a result of practice, and habits make it easy. And that's what we want to do as human beings. Our brains are hardwired, hardwired to do what's easy because it's always conserving energy. Yeah. So that's always
0: looking. every time you learn something new, no wonder it gets painful. As an adult, yeah. you it, it you know, when you're sitting, I don't know, for those of you who've gone back and done your NBA, the first time you sit down, you're like, Oh my god, I'm exhausted. <gasps> exactly. and, and it was one hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh I'm I'm doing, cool. I have to do this for a lot more hours. But it, it's yeah. It's, your brain is literally working. It's depleting glucose as you Absolutely. function. So exactly. if you're willing to try something new, expect that first little bit. I mean, the preamble, I think I cannot wait to get my hands into because I also love habit stacking. I feel, again, this this connection is very exciting to me. But it's, it's like, if you just know a little bit about what you're about to endeavor on and yes. how easy your life is about to get. That's right. But you have to be willing
1: to do that little bit. It's that global yes. goal versus the local goal. Yes, exactly. I love that you have to be ready. And I talk about that in my very first blog about the book, you have to be ready. Otherwise, don't just don't do it because it will feel overwhelming. And that's not what I'm going for. You have to be ready. And there's lots of ways to check in with yourself to see if you are ready to make this commitment. But um, it, uh, it gives you the explanation of what the six excellence potential habits are. So I believe my little formula, some of them are on repeat everywhere you look, but there's a couple that aren't. So I believe that if we practice organization, prioritization, creativity, storytelling, reflection, and visualization, I think if we can practice those, (laughs) then things get easier. Then life is simpler. And that's employing the power of one that counteracts the overwhelm. That's it. Outstanding.
0: (laughs) That's it. Outstanding. I have like it, it's interesting because I'm like, man, this is. I cannot wait for this book. I have what's called a spiritual workout, and so it involves journaling, reading, putting something in. I yeah. sometimes ideas come to me, but often good ideas are, don't come from scrolling on anything. Yeah. Good ideas are pursued. So, yes. how are you feeding your brain? Visualization and writing things out. Yes. And and meditation and stillness. And it's like, wow. I I mean, organization. If it's like kids' crafts, I'm ten out of ten on that. But if it's like Excel spreadsheets, I really just it hurts <laughs> my whole being. Uh, that's okay. One day, I promise you, all of my Excel friends, I will learn that. But organization, prioritization, yeah. yeah. What was the next? one? Creativity. Oh my God, creativity. Yes. Like and creativity doesn't have to be what people. It
1: you're not necessarily painting with a brush. Hundred percent. You're so not painting with a brush. For it anyone out anything. there saying. No. And for anyone out there saying, I don't have a creative bone in my body. We actually lives. do because you have different parts of your brain that we all have. And so here's the nurse side of it. And I'm sure you can appreciate this too. There's a concept called neuroplasticity. And the theory is what fires together stays together. Mm-hmm. So if you are doing anything creative, that could be looking at a beautiful picture. It could be drawing or doodling. It could be making food, making music, dancing, um, writing creatively could be anything if you're doing that while trying to solve a problem you are creating a new neural pathway that didn't otherwise exist and now you have a a, a way for innovation and imagination to spark something new so you do get smarter through creativity mm-hmm. things do get easier through creativity but it's a practice it is a practice
0: and the and Okay. I'm a big neuroscience geek. Like, if you would have said, Clarissa, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have been like a neuropathologist. Yes. Uh turns out my heart could not handle that sadness. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. I can't, I cry a lot. Uh, but that whole premise, what I realized in that world of neuroscience is there is so much latent human potential because oh, wow. we don't practice and that new neural pathway that you just connected, that you just created, it's fresh. It's a baby. It's mm-hmm. a tiny th- And it needs nurturing. Totally. And it, and it's the first time you like how many times did you have to pedal on a bike before you found balance? And the second you found balance, you locked it in. And yes. ten years later, when you haven't been on a bike, it takes you one pedal and you're a little wobbly two. And all of a sudden, it's it's you're back in. You're back in. And yeah. so I encourage people to flex creativity in different ways. People sometimes love whatever. Build a tower. I don't care. I draw with your kids go ask yourself yes. what what could this be I how many times I love the game it is what it's not mm, so, so you take an ordinary object like a water bottle or yes. a, a chapstick and you say it is what it's not so it, okay this is a chapstick it's not a chapstick it's a fill in the blank yeah it's exactly and, and you can make it anything it's Yes. a mini lightsaber it's yes. a, and it, a, and it, that gets your brain moving and it, and it feels, it can actually give me headaches sometimes if I'm not like prepared for it, but that tells me I haven't fired and wired together in a little bit and it's now's a great time to practice.
1: Well, exactly. And you know, I have creative thinking exercises, something I'm super passionate about. There's so many out there brainstorming, but that's just idea storming. There's so many more. I was running workshops on for entrepreneurs and business owners long before the book. On how to employ creative thinking exercises, and you know uh, what you see, and this is definitely in the literature. You see this; it's scientifically proven. But those people who think on their feet a little bit more quickly, right? Or so people who have to facilitate, or people who are up there speaking in a public public setting, or um, you know senior leaders who have to kind of analyze risks, make a decision very quickly, and run with it anyone who's quick witted or a fast thinker or on their feet, or they can c- have a comeback like that guaranteed. They practice creativity in some way mm-hmm. and they're used to doing it. So it is like a, I call it the genius superpower that we all have. You just have to exercise the muscle. Totally. Right? It's, so it's,
0: yeah, it's in there. It's in it, there. It is key. You want to hear my new creative practice that I started doing? Okay. So I've decided uh, I have three younger sisters And they're all funnier than me. They're all of them are funnier than me. And it's, and they're funnier because they are practicing what they say in their head and they observe, 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 observe. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to observe things. I'm going to find the comedy in life. And so I sit and I look at an ordinary event and I'm like, why is that funny? That's the, that's the question I ask (laughs) myself. And you know, what a fun game, because it's not, why is that miserable? Why does it need to be changed? It's like, why is that funny? (laughs) I love it. I could do that for hours, mm-hmm. and now I've now it's a dinner party. Well, I say dinner parties. I go to restaurants with friends. That's not really a dinner yeah. party, but I'm like, why is this funny? <laughs> and, I love it, and it gets you to think of things. Well, it's it's funny because X Y Z. Oh, it's fun, and, and that's funny because, and all of a sudden, you have all of these ideas. You yeah. learn to see things differently, and you connect dots that otherwise appear disparate. That's right, and completely unconnected. And you know, people at some time, at some point in my life, have repeatedly told me, you know, you stretch things. And I'm like, yeah, because they should be stretched. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're going to just let them like not be stretched. Mm -hmm. And then, then when the people around you start seeing you practice, you, there's a theory that if your finger moves from an upright position to a 90 degree movement, that everything else in the universe agrees to that movement, such that Mm -hmm. that movement is allowed. So if you start practicing that creativity muscle, like my question, Hey, why is that funny? Uh, The people around you start being generative as well. And we Mm -hmm. are generative beings and humans have a fulfillment shaped whole that is often unsatisfied if we do not see progress or growth. Yes. And this generative creativeness is a sign of progress and growth at a neurological level. Our bodies don't understand. That's why comics continue to make comedy. Is it really progressing the next I don't know, treatment for a disease that hasn't been cured. Maybe, well, maybe laughter is, I don't know. I can't comment on that, mm-hmm. but it, they're, they're doing it for the sake of doing it because it generates something. Yes. And so I, that has really challenged me and it, it makes for really fun evenings. I will tell you oh, that. I love
1: it. I think that's so good. We it's can so go good. for dinner and do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yes. It would be the best. And I think I, I what I love what you're saying here is that you've been able to adapt that idea around creativity for something that's meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who's feeling, Oh, I'm not creative. It's not artsy. It's, it's anything that you want to stretch, imagine differently, consider differently. You will see the world in an entirely different way if you can exercise this muscle. And so that's why it's one of the habits. It's so important to me. It has to be a habit, storytelling, same thing. And so this, this is a really important part of the book ties a bit back to my dad. In that being able to recant and tell our stories, it validates us. It also is a means of teaching and explaining the world to other people, right? Every single culture over any measurement of time has used story to pass along lessons and cultural practices. So storytelling, we should be practicing this as a skill and building it in as a habit. But, you know, we often think about in our hustle world and our busy times and our everything going a thousand miles a minute, we sometimes lose sight of the value of like the little nanoseconds that fill up the day. And I can tell you, I'm, for me personally, I am most driven by time. In the theory, I ask you, you know, what are you most driven by time, money, or energy? No right or wrong answer. We're just different. For me, it's time. And it's because I've, I've lost most of my family members. I have my siblings and my nieces and my nephew and an aunt. Um, The rest are captured here in my sleeve. Like it's, so time is just so, so precious to me, but it's those moments that when we capture them, they're going to be our legacy when we're gone. And you know, my dad, he took the time, 12 years actually, to pull together his memoirs, the maps in England of where he used to live, the genealogy, the stories, everything took him 12 years. And it's a book like this high of pictures and all the things. There's nothing more meaningful in terms of like a physical item in my world than that. Right. And so if we take the time, imagine we took the time to fill out one of these books and you do, you fill it out, you fill it out for an entire year. And I'll get to that in a minute. That's your story. You're telling your story. And when you're done for the year, you put it up on the shelf, you pick up a new one and you do it all over again. Oh my God, I'm obsessed.
0: It's you're, your legacy. It is at- you know what? I have a hard time. My paper agendas, I have them on a bookshelf. I have them right now. And I'm like, this is yours is a lot prettier. (laughs) I like how it's minimalist. I feel like that's going to be a a drive and a vibe for me,
1: but that to me makes sense. I'm like, it's the, it's a, it's the anthology of you. Yes, it is. And so in the book, um, so those are the six habits. I won't go through them in all details, but creativity and storytelling, those are quite different. Um, Within the book, though, it's now broken in, you keep turning the pages, and it's broken into 12 equal sections. 13, actually. One at the very beginning is like your big picture to kind of wrap your head around that global goal. What's your vision? What's your uh, mission? What are your values? What are your strengths and areas for improvement? What are some positive affirmations that you want to to help guide you for the year? Um, Quotes and wisdom from people that Uh, You aspire to to be more like what would they say? I call it your wall of wisdom. If you went to someone for advice and you could be anyone, what would they tell you? What would Maya Angelou tell you? What would Oprah Winfrey tell you? What would Simon Sinek tell you? Whoever it is for you, Um, so that's the beginning section. It's kind of like your reference section, I suppose. You can keep coming back. Setting the
0: standard. It's exactly like set that standard.
1: Exactly. There's the bar. Yeah,
0: because standards are met. Yes. Imagine that. (laughs) Wants and desires are not always gotten, but standards are met. hundred percent. Right. So set your standard.
1: And the physical act of taking a pen or a piece of a pencil, putting it to the paper, we've got to feel it. And again, that's a neuroplasticity thing. When you write it down, it's real. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as typing it. It's there. And there's multiple modalities
0: of learning. And when you look at the studies for retention and learning in children, it is far better for them to actually physically use their hands because you're it's kinesthetic and that you're, or tactile of some sort learning. It is audio because you cannot not say words in your head. That's so your right. audio cortex is activated and then your visual cord, like you, right. there's three modalities of learning mm-hmm. happening at once. So you want to cement that neural pathway. You want to make that those affirmations true for you. I often have to rewrite affirmations in the world of what do I want to believe is true about me? And when I, when I take on that, and I'm like, and I write it out, I'm like, oh. And then you you write it out in the three, and it's three modalities happening simultaneously. Yes. Could you ask for a better recipe? Do you want to supercharge how what you believe about yourself? Do you want to supercharge your goals? Write them out. It's that write easy,
1: right? Yeah. And so this is the principle. It's easy. It's simple. We don't it's have fun. to overcomplicate it, right? It's fun. It's fun, exactly. So then you get into the twelve monthly sections, and it's not dated. So you could start this October 1st. You could start it January 1st. It doesn't matter. You can start the book whenever. And the first the first section is like a two-page calendar spread. So you can go in and put in your known dates and you see it visually all at once, which is very powerful because we see the negative space. And we can ask ourselves, do we need to preserve this mm. for the, the self-care and the filling up of the cup? Or do we want to see this as individual blocks of time? So it helps us with practicing prioritization of our time. So simple layout of your calendar uh, and then it goes on. It's got a, a money matters page. So there's a place for you to consider money. And we look at money a little differently. It's not just about what you make and what you spend. We also prompt you to say, what are you gonna save? What are you gonna give away? What could you sell? What could you buy, right? What are the possibilities with money as one of your resources, not just in and out. There's page on gratitude. So practices for gratitude on focus. There's a two page spread for getting focused because that's definitely a quick path to overwhelm if we're not focused. There's um, a one minute journal. So there's one line for every day of the month where you just have to jot down one thing, something you did, something you said, something that was funny, a song you're listening to, something. So you're telling your story. And so there's there's a bunch more pages within these sections. And, And then near the end, there's the planner part where you have a two page spread for every week and there's a place to write down your appointments place for you to set out three priorities and why they are your priorities um, as well as your goal for the for the week so I guess that more finite goal that you're looking at what's coming next week there's even a little space that's the same um, same size exactly as a sticky note so if you got to make notes for yourself they go there uh, and everything is just all in one place and then month next month comes along you do it all over again Um, So yeah, there's, I think, 13 different exercises that repeat every single month, plus the planner. And what you're doing is you're practicing those six excellence potential habits without even knowing it. Because these exercises and these, they're all built with that psychology and method and theory embedded within it. So you don't even know you're doing it.
0: I love it. I'm here for peak performance. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Give me more of that. Yeah. Like, we don't even know what we're capable of. That's the it's craziest me. thing. We don't even know. We yeah. have no idea. Yeah. And the so, thing is, the, the whole, your whole journey, that one step after the other, you didn't know you were going to write a book.
1: <laughs> no. So if you, if someone says to me, someone said to me the other day, I think you know Joanne or we do a few months ago, and she's like, you're an author now. You're a published author. And I'm like, look and look, like, like, who? who me, right? What? No. And because that was never the intention. I never sat down and said, I want to write a book. I yep. fell into this. And now I have plans for the two book, the three book, the four book, the five book. I've got a one book podcast or a one program podcast. I've got a whole educational program that I'm going to be running in January. It's exploded, but it was never part of a plan.
0: No, and be willing to see things differently. So I know some people that listen to this uh, are very planned and they have a whole thing. And if that's the way you be, that's the way you be. But there's also space that if you don't know where you are going, where you started, uh, much like Kristen, I I went into a psych undergrad with a Spanish minor because I was like, I'll make it useful by being uh, able to speak in 21 countries, and And lo and behold, that is not, like I just said yes to life much like you, I said yes to opportunity. And rather than living by the confines or the constraints I created for myself for the definition of definitions of what I thought success or life should look like, I said, well, wouldn't it be cool if like I am the captain, the, the like vice president or CEO of wouldn't it be cool if and wouldn't it be cool if comes with some scary moments, but it also allows people like Kristen to come full circle, create multiple businesses and write a book. So, let life surprise you. Be willing to be pleasantly surprised by life. Life doesn't just throw curveballs at you. Life lives you all the time. So, what if life pleasantly surprised you?
1: Well, that's just it. And and there were so many things as they all always. It looks pretty now, right? There were so many things that didn't go right. Go right the first time, though. Totally. Right. So you mentioned the the. The suck you in graphics, right? The the beautiful vision of it. I just have to show you one,
0: one of The example
1: pages. So this and is, just
0: describe it visually for the people who are not watching. I sure will.
1: Okay, so this picture here. There's you can't really see it. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of different creativity challenges, exercises, and practices, and so it's all based on just different ge- geometric shapes put into different patterns but it's not just to color it in like a coloring book. If you were to look at that page right now and visualize it, it might look like a coloring, like a Zen coloring book page. It's not, there's an exercise at the bottom that challenges challenges you to do something different. For example, one might be fill in each blank, like each square with a letter as you write, like an actual letter, as you write a letter to yourself and make it random. So now you have a page of just random letters that you'll never be able to read out as a letter again. But you creatively used this picture that would traditionally been for coloring, and used it in a different way, right? And so the entire book is done in black and white. We use dot grid, so for all of our dot grid lovers out there, because there's also scientific proof that that lends to more creativity. Because there's no constraints. Lines, exactly. That's right. I, I um, it's true. The typeface, the layout, the space, the negative space. All of this was planned out by my creative genius friend, Logan Gray, whom I met through this process, Um, graphic designer, photographer, hand-poked tattoo artist, and so many other things, came to my rescue when we were in a crunch for getting this published, and the first graphic design just wasn't a good fit, and I had to find a new one. Started from scratch. I thought it was going to be a quick little tweak here and there. Nope. Logan was honest and... Yeah. they're like no we need to completely redo the whole thing and we did and it is magical because of Logan and in the process they encouraged me in, in the first version I didn't have my little snippets or quotes or insights I kind of I've gotten a bit of a reputation for having Christianisms. and I get teased about people like it too and Logan said Kristen you have to put them in there Like, let's create space so that you have those little quotes. Every time you turn a page, it's not the same as the previous month because there's a new suggestion or a tip or some encouraging words or something. So it is kind of like reading a book, but it's also like writing a book at the same time. But if it weren't for their utter magic, this book would not be what it is. It's all them. And so the two of us are incredibly proud of this. We're going to be doing um, a book signing at Indigo Chapters this month, which is like kind of mind-boggling. Because um, you mentioned, yeah, we got into physical stores. Chapters Indigo, we're available online pretty much anywhere around the world. So like Amazon and Chapters Indigo, Barnes and Noble. But it's not the same as being able to like physically touch the book when it's like this, right? BFD is what I call those—a big effing deal yeah that's so it feels that way it's it's also it's just overwhelming in the sense of it's so magical what do I want to do with it I want to pay it forward and and share it with everyone else too right it's it's a good overwhelm it's
0: so in the like it's it's like awe is what I would call it oh yeah oh I I didn't understand awe until I understood awe and then I was that is awe where (laughs) it's like breathtaking and it's expansive and and it's almost beyond comprehension you're like oh (laughs) and so you did it so for those of you who are interested Kristen is a vibe and she will be signing copies and available to chit chat I believe from 11 to 5 October 15th in Edmonton Alberta at the South Edmonton Common Indigo and uh, we will provide the address in the show notes a Google Maps link if you prefer and if you get a chance to meet this person this human who will dramatically from afar impact your way of living your business the way you see the world and ultimately increase your performance and maybe you're not ready to do it today but wouldn't it be crazy for you to not buy it <laughs> because sometimes anybody else wake up at 1 in the morning being like you know now's the time I must do this yeah. now and so harness that and also sometimes readiness is a choice you and know, so cuz con- yeah cuz so consider that if you're in complete resistance and you know this isn't for you fine that's that's okay i'm not here to judge that but if you're Uh, sometimes I make choices out of safety and not opportunity and possibility. And so for me, it's an absolute hell yes. And I can't wait.
1: (laughs) I can't wait. Well, I can't wait for you to hold it, see it, touch it, use it. It, I'm going to hug it. (laughs) Oh, you know, it's now that people, so we actually launched this back in um, December of last year. So there's like people, users, I call them one bookers, they've been using it since. And now- the stories and the testimonials are starting to come in. And like, it brings me to tears. I've had business owners say, you know, my business was going nowhere until I implemented the system. And I've you know tripled my revenue this year. And I attribute it to being more organized and being able to prioritize and being more creative. And they can see that tangible difference. Uh, it blows me away that for me, it was just so obvious in a way of doing things, but it's actually helping people who were really struggling. Um, And I mean, I designed it and and came up with the idea for business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, professionals, uh, even creatives, like me as the jewelry designer, definitely needs this too. But you know what I learned? And I feel kind of silly not really seeing this until like two, three months ago, university students. And it was my son, my 19-year-old son and his incredible girlfriend who were like, "Uh, yeah, I think we need this too. And so... You know, she uses it on a regular basis. They went and, and told their friends about it and now they've wanted one. But of course, because they need harmony too, because they're susceptible to overwhelm too. Right? University is designed
0: for overwhelm. Exactly. Like, but the truth is it doesn't need to be that way. So it
1: doesn't. No. So you know what? I think that there's a little bit of something in there for everybody. And I'm still figuring it out. I, I I'm discovering, I guess. Yes. That's the journey I'm on right now, is just discovering what this is. I don't know, That's but it's
0: so fun. fun. That is so fun. Oh my goodness. I don't want to cut this short, but I know that if the file gets too big, they won't let me post it. <laughs> so so good. we're going to bring this to a close. Are there any final takeaways you would like to share with the listeners?
1: Um, you know, I think there, well, there's just so much. Be kind to one another. Um, kindness costs you nothing, but it pays off in so many ways. And then you know, the message that I love to just take with me everywhere that I go because I know it helped me get to where I am, is I'll believe in you. I will. I don't need to know what you're doing, what you're trying to do, what you've been through. I don't need to know any of that. If you're going to show up and try, I believe in you. And say that to someone in a day and see how their world changes. So pay forward the kindness and pay forward the belief. And I think we can change the world
0: could not have said it better myself. Kristen, it was such a pleasure to have you on the Be Better podcast. Thank you again so much for your time. And I cannot wait to see the impact the one book has on this world. Thank you. If this podcast has landed with you, served, you provided value, please let us know. Give us a like, subscribe, share it with a friend that you know it will make a difference for. We are here to be a contribution and a service to others. We cannot wait to see you next time. Thanks again for tuning in. Take care.